0: section here. um, We're going to see that the Colossians were dealing with some tension in their culture that was imposed on them. They were being condemned by some of the worldly values of the false teachers on the one hand. On the other hand, they were nourished and connected and revitalized by and through Christ. We see the principle of shadow versus reality. We see this contrast of not being connected to Christ, the head, and holding fast connected to Christ, the head. Human commands and doctrines against being satisfied with Christ. So do you know, friends, what Christ has provided for you. Every once in a while I hear a commercial for this. The State tries to make a a big effort to let people know. Uh, I've seen it ever since I've lived here. So there's a website, of course, findmassmoney.com. So if we live in Massachusetts, You know, we may have an uncle or a grandfather or friend who's bequeathed property and funds and estates to us, and we just don't know. So there's a website to check it out, findmassmoney.com. There could be Massachusetts residents. I hear it's up to about, I think, $2 billion now, something like that. There could be Massachusetts residents who just don't know that they have something waiting for them. Now, friends, what might be keeping you from experiencing all the fullness, the richness of Christ today? So let's look at this passage in Colossians 2, beginning in verse 16. And I'll be reading um, in the ESV. So if you need a Bible, you can use the Bible in front of you. Colossians two sixteen through 23. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason, by his sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with the growth that is from God. It is with Christ you die to the elemental spirits. If with Christ you die to the elemental spirits of the world, why as if you were still alive in the world do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, Do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for all of your word, even the parts that we find difficult to comprehend and understand and to make alive in our hearts today. So would you open our minds? Would you open our hearts? For Jesus' sake we pray, amen. Now the Colossians were praised. Paul had so many good things to say about them. Their faith was known throughout the world. It's a true faithful missionary church from what he could see, kind of like Church I know in Hingham, South Shore Baptist. In small and subtle ways, the faithfulness of a Christ centered gospel church over the years will have an impact, of course, like the pebble in a pond, ever expanding, ever reaching more places and more people, spreading outward. That was the, the design of the church by Christ Himself. <clears throat> Beginning in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, to be missionaries, if you remember the structure in Acts, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world, North America, South America, and so forth. But along the journey can be obstacles, distractions, difficulties. And especially for the Colossians, here we read about them, and what they're dealing with is ideas particularly current alternatives, spiritual alternatives that sound good, that look good, that appear to be reasonable, but they could, in fact, become like we described last week, those potholes underneath. You don't really know they're there. They're dangerous. They're not visible. They're beneath the surface, kind of like that iceberg under the Titanic. don't realize how much they're affecting us, our church, our hearts, our families. But the Apostle Paul has some strong encouragement for us today and he warns us about them, so watch out for these attitudes. The first warning is putting off the world's condemnation and judgments. Now we're used to hearing the, uh, the phrase judge not. I mean for a while, and I think even recently, they do surveys of the most popular Bible verse, judge not has been one of them lately. People don't like the thought of being judged. But this is interesting because he says, do not, let any, do not allow judgment on you. Do not let, let no one pass judgment on you. Don't let anyone judge you. Now, what's he talking about? Well, um, maybe we can identify uh, today with what we call cancel culture. Cancel culture uh, is falling victim to a new morality of what's right and wrong. We don't want to be canceled because we're expressing our beliefs and opinions about what we believe is right. Sadly, fortunately, cancel culture changes just about every day. It will be different tomorrow, right? And somehow this this culture in Colossians, this gobbledygook of cultural currents was creating heartache and grief and condemnation for the church. Let's see if we can understand what Paul's warning about here. Now I don't think this is your usual run-of-the-mill guilt-inducing comments from guilt-inducing people. Yeah, I think you, you and I probably know what that is. Um, but it's, it's much more painful, it's much more hurtful because it's, it's coming from the authorities down, it's coming from religious people, religious, maybe even religious leaders who they have some sort of respect for. And, this is being imposed on them, this guilt and condemnation. Because now their concept of what God is like is involved. They're, they're distorting and changing this, this concept of a God of grace, a God of love, a God that, that wants to relieve them of burdens, not add to their burdens. Martin Luther, the German monk in the 15th century, was seeking God in the religious environment of his day. He became a monk. He made a trip to Rome because that's what religious monks are supposed to do. And he, his goal, one of his goals was to maybe, maybe earn points towards purgatory for his grandmother by climbing the Scala Santa, the holy steps of the Lateran chapel, on his knees, all of the steps. But afterwards, he was plagued with doubts. He wondered if this was all true. Still seeking God's acceptance through a careful study of the book of Romans and Galatians, he rediscovered the powerful biblical truth that set Europe on fire, the just, The righteous shall live by faith alone. And in Colossae, we go back earlier in history, this teaching was also causing pain to God's people. It was kind of a toxic mix of Jewish legalism, Gnosticism, the current philosophy, visions, and angel worship, and asceticism all mixed up together to give... Worshippers, a pretty heavy guilt trip. They were never quite clear and right and free under this system. Yeah. So, one category was keeping of Jewish ceremonial laws the the law of god in the old testament most of it was the moral law which is good but of course the ceremonial law adds all kinds of things to that that you must do if you're to be a godly person keeping the sabbath new moons holy days practice 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 and in addition they added what we might call extra extra strict rules those that would simply lead to pride in judging others if, if they made them for themselves. Not that anyone could keep them, mind you. Severe self-denial creating a pecker, pecking order to the most. Spiritual insiders and outsiders, you're in or you're out. Don't touch, don't eat. Ironic on a day like today when I have these beautiful cupcakes sitting right before me. Kind of like the experience I have with my wife and my daughters when I go to a fast food restaurant as well. Don't touch, don't eat. Well, this kind of strict rules and excessive legalism can be toxic. It could have broad harmful effects on your freedom in Christ. Now, growing up in the church, my daughters heard a lot of church discussions about what we call scruples, things that were right and wrong. You do this, you don't do that. Some matters that they debated about. And after one discussion that she heard that they were dealing with, she said to me, Dad, the church seems kind of judgy. You know what that word judgy is, right? I think I know what she means. I think she know. You know, we can get bogged down, right? Even in, in the church of, of our own man-made traditions and rules that are not important to our relationship with God. And over the years, I've, I've been in churches that have debated these things far too long. Some very small, petty things that are not really that important, like should they serve in the coffee hour, should they serve the little donut holes or donuts? Should, should we have the pulpit furniture located right here, or should we move it a little bit to the right or left? Where should the flowers be? What kind of clothing should young people wear? What kind of hair length could, she, could they have? A lot of churches might do this. The kind of chair which we want our sanctuary to, to worship in, uh, pew, pews or church chairs. Yeah, we debated that, whether to allow coffee in the sanctuary or not, and on and on and on. When I first went into the ministry, most of the discussions, at least for me as a young pastor, uh, related to what I could, what we could or could not do on Sundays. Now, this was from a previous generation. Some of you know what I'm talking about that were kind of imposed, those Sunday rules were imposed upon us sometimes, and um, they were debating uh, things like whether you could or could not go to the grocery store or to the restaurant or play cards or ride your bike on the Sunday. Some of you do have that experience. All part of this culture then of rules, but none of this was advancing God's kingdom, right? I mean, it's a distraction. And not only only that, it's exhausting to try to follow. It's exhausting. But sadly, maybe you or your kids have a false picture of Christ in the church because of these traditions or rules, what you do and what you don't do. Now, I'm not saying that the, 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 the law of God, what God wants us to do, is not clear and we should obey it. We should. But some people have been raised with a mistaken, mistaken view that the just shall live by works, not the just shall live by faith, you see. But Paul's warning here is clear. Don't let these non-Christian values and people impose your walk with Christ. Don't let it dist- distort your concept of God. The human source of these rules may seem superior, proud, that, and even closer to God, but it was creating a spiritual elitism that nobody could be a part of except them. Many years ago, uh, this is my generation, uh, and an evangelist, youth speaker, but at the time he spoke to I think more people than just about anybody except Billy Graham, he said a very simple principle that I've always tried to remember. Rules without relationships lead to rebellion. Rules without relationships leads to rebellion. So, is there something better in Christ? Yes, there is. Yes, there is. Keep your eyes on Christ. The other principle we see here, is shadows versus reality. Shadows versus reality. All this is described in verse 16 and 17. These are a shadow of the things to come, what he's described previously. Hebrews 10.1 says, the shadows of the Old Testament point to Christ. They're not the reality. They point to Christ. They promised Reality is in Christ, the fulfillment of God's promises. Now we can get enamored with the shadows instead of the real thing. It's always been a human problem, substituting things and images and creating things, even temples, ceremonial sacrifices, worship services, uh, decorations for God. We can substitute those things. We feel like we're not really worshiping unless we have that stuff around us, exchanging the truth of God for a a lie, and it's just not real. Of course, today we're hearing more about artificial intelligence, um, and they might seem like substitutes for real things. But there's always a cost, Um, substitutes for real knowledge. And we can believe that when we talk to Alexa or Siri, that they really do know us well. And uh, I went to... I don't think he's here, but I went to a choir member's house a few years ago and he had Alexa in his house. I was really tempted to tell Alexa to order me a new car and charge it to his credit card. I didn't do it. When I call my pharmacy about a prescription, um, and I have a, of course I have a question about it, and I ask the question to the voice, then I don't know what to call this voice. It, she, digital voice, answers me in a sweet syrupy voice. I'm sorry, I don't understand. Then I ask a different way. I'm sorry, I still don't understand. So there's a problem here with artificial intelligence, I think, but Paul warns us. Don't let these shadows become reality spiritually in your life. Symbols, man-made tradition, rules, and images becomes real. It seems real, but it's not. Now, I looked up the definition of virtual reality. Virtual reality, according to um, Google, maybe I shouldn't have asked Google. Google, Google said that, uh, where, where is it? Computer generated environment that appears to be real making the user feel like they are immersed in their surroundings. Okay, now the Colossians had virtual reality. They just didn't have a computer to generate it. These elemental principles, these false teachers were creating an alternative reality of the world for them, but leaving out the truth of Jesus Christ, the ultimate true source, substance, and reality. Amen? He is, and evermore shall be, The creator of the world, the image of God, fully God, fully man, unique, perfect, unmatched by any spiritual forces anywhere, the word for reality or substance is also translated body. The heresy in the Colossian church was that anything bodily, human, material was sinful and that... Anything invisible, spiritual, angelic, or visionary was good, but Christ became a body. He was revealed as a human baby boy, as flesh and blood, so that he could be the perfect mediator between a holy God and sinful humanity. He's the mediator, the perfect one, tempted in all ways as we are, yet without sin. That's a real Savior. That's a a Lord, a Messiah that we can put our trust in. He brings real reconciliation, real peace, real joy, real contentment. We could go on and on. God became one of us. Now we need to understand connected or disconnected. This is one of the consequences of this heresy here, the false teaching, because Paul had heard that as a result of this mindset, this system, they had lost connection. Now when I say that lost connection, some of you are getting nervous that your Wi-Fi is gonna be stopped. But this was false teachings that would separate them from Christ. We're extremely dependent on connecting, aren't we, to each other every day. People send mails, emails, texts, look up information, buy stuff, pay stills, pay bills, play games, check the weather, you might even be doing this right now. But we were made, made to experience a real human connection. You know, young children have separation anxiety. Even older, older people do, too, when they feel disconnected. Our pets do, when they feel disconnected. But most importantly, we are made to have a connection with God himself. We are connected by faith to Christ and to his body, which is the church, but we can short circuit that connection. We know from the COVID shutdowns, right? How difficult it was when we were disconnected. Oh yes. We might have our video conferences. We might have our zoom calls, but we were missing something. Weren't we? We were missing that face to face person to person encounter that human encounter. That's why, that's why it's so important to take advantage of human interactions in, here's my list, Steve, worship services, growth groups, community groups, excuse me, um, Sunday school classes, Bible studies, youth groups, fire pit Fridays, Vacation Bible School, Beach Outreaches with Eric, and all kinds of fellowship opportunities that come up every week when you read your bulletin. They're always there. Opportunities to connect with God's people in the church. We grow in faith when we are connected. So stay connected. Nothing can separate us spiritually from the love of God, but stay connected with the body. Then he says, stay nurtured and growing from the real source, the head. Christ himself is the head. That's what connects us, the head, Christ. We are connected with him. Newborns are in the womb, the first major organ to develop in the head. It grows disproportionately large than the rest of the body. I know I have several pictures of my grandson. I could show you, but I won't. The body grows from the head. For believers, this God-enabled growth is simply growth that God causes from Christ, from the head. That's what we desire. And that's why we might, we might describe all this for us as gospel growth, or growth in grace, or growth in Christ. It's not just something we produce, but God himself is the source. It's the same principle Jesus talked about in John 15, to abide in Him because you must bear fruit by abiding, remaining in the vine. He's the true vine. He's the true vine. Stay with Him. And this is why we're connected. The Nicene Creed, the confession we read today, describes the church as a living body. And God's Word promises, that he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. No power, no kingdom, no angels, no demons, no forces can keep this good news from the nations. Many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Believers need to be connected to the body of Christ. Membership is important. The body of Christ needs for us to be connected also, not just the local church, but we're connected to the body of Christ all over the world today. People in South America and China and Ukraine and wherever the church is gathering in Iran, wherever it is, we are connected with them. So the Colossians were facing a real dilemma, who will they listen to? What system will they follow? One was based on what they had heard about from Paul and described as elemental principles or spirits. It's this natural system. It had persuasive arguments. They seemed to look good. They had visions, harsh rules, traditions, proud, self-important teaching, teaching a a self-exalting philosophy. One is destined to perish. It just won't last, it's artificial, it's without substance and reality. It always fails, always disappoints. He says, you're dead to that, we have died to that, to the world, but we're alive in Christ. We are alive to him. The believer in Christ has something much, much better. It's based on a better covenant, better promises, a better mediator. A greater love, perfect savior, who offers real long-term lasting fulfillment because he's the perfect eternal God, man. Dear friends, believers, he has perfect wisdom. We've been reconciled to God by his blood. Our debt has been paid in full. We can be connected forever to the savior who is real, real, more real. Real even through the complex twists and turns of life. For VBS kids this week, it's real for them. Just as real. One gospel for all people, all time, based on grace through faith. The gift of God for any who will receive him. Today, many, maybe some of you, One of you needs to be set free from the chain and the burden of empty promises, unfulfilled expectations, judgmental worldview, people, cancel culture. And if you do have heavy burdens, I promise you, Christ can give you rest. He promises that. Come unto Him, all your Burdened and heavy laden, he will give you rest. Get connected, stay connected with Christ forever. You'll never be out of the merciful hands of our triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Trust in him to find real peace, joy, fulfillment, contentment, hope, forgiveness. Today can be the day of your salvation. All you do, all you need to do is reach out and ask him. Accept him. Welcome him. Receive him by faith. Would you pray with me this morning? Thomas Kelly says, Here we have a firm foundation. Here the refuge of the lost. Christ, the rock of our salvation. His, the name of which we boast. Lamb of God, for sinners wounded. Sacrifice to cancel guilt. None shall ever be confounded. Whom in him their hope has built. Father, we thank you that you will never disappoint us when we trust in you, when we rest in you, when we cast all of our burdens on you, and you've provided a way for us to stay firmly, forever connected to the head of the body, Jesus Christ, a relationship that will never disappoint us. We ask, Lord, today that if there's someone today who needs to accept and receive you, and your offer of forgiveness and salvation, that they would pray a simple prayer. Lord, I need you. I ask you to forgive my sins. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior today. And I trust you by faith. Thank you for all that you've done for me. In Jesus' name, amen.